Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good morning. It is the 28th of December, 2022. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is a best of show during this Christmas week. Your growing the faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This is a um, text about the Magi, the wise men. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, about a week ago, um, we talked about this um, passage um, at length, and we talked about the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So today, I want to focus on a couple of other parts of this text. It begins with the fact that these guys looked up. They were looking up. They were looking for. They were anticipating and waiting They knew the things that were to come to pass, and they were looking forward to them. What were those things? What were the signs of the first advent? Well, we've discussed many of those as we have worked our way through the Growing Your Faith verses of the day during this Advent season. So what are the signs of the second coming, of the second advent? I remembered um, something that I had read some time ago that Billy Graham wrote in the New York Times in 1970. And I pulled it out and I thought I would share some of it with you Um, because Billy Graham talks about the signs that we should be looking for, that we should be looking up in the spirit of Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Well, what are those things that we should be looking up for? Billy Graham made made a quite an extensive list in this article, and I just thought that maybe I would share some of those here, but he starts off with a long discourse about not anticipating a particular date or a particular time, recognizing that Jesus responded to a question related to that, that only God knows that, only God the Father knows that, that it's not ours to know um, the particular time, but it is ours to be paying attention to the signs of the times. Billy Graham says this, the predictions of future events occupy about a quarter of the Bible. The teaching about the second coming of Jesus is dealt with in 1,800 different passages, over 318 of them in the New Testament. The prophecies of the Bible do not predict a world of gradual progress toward a materialistic paradise, as some assume. Instead, they see a world torn apart by lawlessness, war, famine, pestilence on a scale that only God himself could terminate if the human race was to survive. Constantly throughout the Bible, the phrase, quote, the last days or that day or the day or the day of the Lord are used to indicate in most places an X period in history when dramatic events will take place. These events will culminate in God's intervention and the literal return of Jesus Christ to this planet. The Bible does not teach that the earth or the human race will come to an end. 
Instead, the Bible teaches that the world will be renovated by fire. This fire will destroy all that is evil and prepare the earth for the kingdom of God. Billy Graham goes on to say, again, this is a an article that appeared in the New York Times in 1970 about the end of days, about what the Bible says we should be looking for in terms of the signs of the times in which we live. Billy Graham says, it will be a kingdom that will bring about a new social order. There will be the abolition of social injustice, war, poverty, disease, and racism. And of course, the inevitable question comes, when is Christ coming? Do you think he's com- his coming is near? And Billy Graham then um, shares this. In 1860, the French chemist Marcel Lynn Barthagat said, within a hundred years of physical and chemical science, man will know what the atom is. It's my belief when science reaches this stage, God will come down to earth with his big ring of keys and say to humanity, gentlemen, it's closing time. (laughs) Billy Graham says, well, um, Jesus warned, warned his disciples on at least two occasions to be aware of setting dates. The Bible teaches there will be a future generation, future generation with certain characteristics that indicate the end of the age is near. So what are those? Well, He says there's 20 distinct signs left by the prophets, Jesus and the apostles, that we should look for. And every one of them is in a state of fulfillment at this very moment. Now, remember, he wrote this in 1970. And he was pretty confident that the mental state of the world and the moral state of the world um, and the state of the world in terms of degradation and sin, the emphasis on the word peace um, and things transpiring at that point in time in the Middle East All to him were signs that the end was certainly near. He concludes with this. I do not know the hour, the day, the month, nor the year. It's wrong and unbiblical to try to set a date of Christ's return. God alone knows when he will come. But the Bible says he will come back to this earth. What we see happening today may well be a preparation for God's intervention in human affairs with the coming of Jesus Christ and the setting up of a new social order. Thus, the future does not belong to communism. And we would say um, the future does not belong to any ism. He says the future also does not belong to capitalism. The future belongs to God. Let's be reading the signs of our times these days in which we live as we turn the calendar from 2022 to 2023, making each one a year of the Lord. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. In the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Well, what'd you get for Christmas? Have you uh, unwrapped all your gifts? We still have a little Christmas ahead of us in the first week of January with some of our family that couldn't get here in time for the actual date of Christmas, but that's okay. Christmas is a season anyway, right? This is, in fact, the 12 days of Christmas that we're in the midst of right now. I hope you are continuing to celebrate the good gift of God wrapped in human flesh that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. We've been unwrapping the gifts that come with the gift of God's Holy Spirit. If you have 
received Jesus, then you have received his Holy Spirit as well. And so the Spirit operates within us, delivering um, not only all of the things that come with the Spirit, but gifts as well. We call them spiritual gifts. We started talking about them uh, earlier this week, and we have talked already about administration and apostolic ministry. We've talked about craftsmanship and creative communication. We've talked about discernment and evangelism. If you missed any part of those uh, conversations, you can go back and listen to them at MyFaithRadio.com under the podcast for Mornings with Carmen. So let's uh, let's talk today about um, the next gift on my list. And again, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit that appear in the Scriptures. I don't consider any of these lists to be exhaustive. I um, I understand them to be illustrative. You can find them in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. You can find a list in uh, the book of Ephesians as well. There are gifts that are manifested by God's people, the Scriptures, and it's an opportunity for us to consider ones that we have seen and therefore ones that we could expect to experience as well. So the next um, spiritual gift that comes in our unwrapping series here is exhortation. Exhortation. Um, what is the spiritual gift of exhortation? It means to call near. It also means to come alongside or to incite by word. It means to, well, exhort. This is actually one of my primary um, spiritual giftings, uh, exhortation. So it is an ability that's given by God to stimulate faith and to stimulate the growth of faith in others through encouragement or comfort or urging others to action. I'm probably much better at the encouragement and the urging than I think of myself in terms of the comfort, but some of you have said that you have found great comfort, particularly in the times when we pray together. And so um, thank you for those words of encouragement that I get from you as well. Let me make some observations about the spiritual gift of exhortation. Um, First of all, people with this spiritual gift, we are optimistic. We're full of hope. Um, we, uh, We tend to have a pretty upbeat attitude toward things, even though we recognize, we recognize the reality of the brokenness of the world in which we live. So people are um, exhorting others because we operate out of an understanding that this is not how it is supposed to be. We are not how we are supposed to be, that we live in a fallen world as fallen and sinful people, and that God is calling us to a higher righteousness. God is calling us to be the very ambassadors of his kingdom here in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Now, I will say that those of us who have this spiritual gift tend to freely give our advice, um, even though it's not necessarily solicited. But I can tell you that we do it out of a heart of desiring to see others grow, to see people encouraged. We like to relate real life experiences um, and we like to parallel those with God's truth. Like, right, our aim is to encourage. um, And in order to do that, we need to bring the truth about God to bear on the realities of human life. So that's exhortation. And if that's what you experience here on Mornings with Carmen, then you could probably confirm that um, this is one of my spiritual gifts. The next gift we're going to talk about is the gift of faith. Here, um, we, we we might think really broadly about this because there are those who would argue faith is not a gift. If it were, then um, why would Jesus be surprised to find it, right? Um, So faith is that which is cultivated. Faith is also um, something that we are convinced of and rely upon. That's actually the core meaning of the word faith 
It is to be convinced of something, to rely upon it, to lean upon it. And it's an ability. Faith is an is is the ability in this context. We talk about faith in this way. Faith in this context is this ability that's given by God to recognize in a given situation that God is present, what God intends to do, and to trust him until it comes to pass. So are you a person of faith and are you a person who is possessed of the spiritual gift of faith? Those are good questions to ask ourselves as we unwrap the gifts of of the Holy Spirit this Christmas season. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com. Give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart Picking up where we left off in our conversation, unwrapping the gifts that come with the gift of the Holy Spirit this Christmas. Are you unwrapping the gifts of God this Christmas? And and if so, how so? Um, are each day, what we're doing is uh, we're taking the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. We're just unwrapping them. We're considering them one by one. I'd love for you to consider which of these gifts you believe God has given you by the power of his present Holy Spirit. So again, faith is um, faith is a wonderful gift of God. We see it expressed maybe uh, most readily in the life of Daniel. If you want to read about the expression of faith in the lives of believers uh, in times past, Hebrews chapter 11 is a good place to read about faith expressed in the in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And now we come to the gift of giving. And you say to yourself, what? Giving is a gift? Yep. Giving is a gift. Now, along with uh, gifts like evangel- evangelism, uh, every believer is expected to express giving as a part of um, our gratitude to God for the indescribable gift we have in salvation in Jesus Christ. But giving is also a particular gift in the same way that evangelism is a particular gift. There are those who give in a way that um, is different than the ways the rest of us give. And so the core meaning um, of the spiritual gift of giving is, well, you might not find this surprising, it's to give, to actually give, to hand it over. And people who are possessed of this spiritual gift, they have this ability to acquire and then contribute resources for the extending of God's kingdom in ways that are supernatural. Um, and so where each and every one of us uh, are required to give, you know, our tithes and offerings, people who have the spiritual gift of giving, God has um, blessed in a particular way to both acquire and gather in and then contribute or redistribute those resources for the expanding and the extending of God's kingdom here on earth. These are people who uh, have a supernatural ability, frankly, to make money and then to supply those resources for kingdom expanding purposes. I think there's a caution here. Um, I think the caution would be that um, sometimes the church relies heavily um, in terms of its direction upon people who have a lot of wealth. And just because a person has the capacity to generate a lot of wealth does not necessarily mean they're operating out of the spiritual gift of giving. And so we want to, um, we just, as in all things, we want to be spiritually discerning. Um, but we want to be sure that when we talk about this particular spiritual gift, we're talking about God operating in the heart of a person and God's spirit operating in a way 
that moves them um, to give in extraordinary ways, particularly for the advancement of God's kingdom purposes and not um, some other uh, prideful agenda. Joseph of Arimathea might be a person that you would look to in the scriptures in terms of this spiritual gift of giving. And then there's the gift of healings. I think this is probably where we get into some of the controversial conversations of the day. But I want you to consider that the spiritual gift of healing um, is not only real and was not only given in uh, in the days uh, of the apostles, but that it is a gift that God continues to pour out. He's the great physician, and he continues to equip and empower people to heal. Some people do it professionally. Some people do it as um, a part of their natural abilities uh, or their work, their vocation. Others do it as a spiritual exercise through this supernatural ability given by God to restore health and wholeness to a person. I I would love it if people in counseling ministries possessed the spiritual gift, empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit, to heal. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's the kind of spiritual counselor I want, a person who would help me um, return to health and wholeness in terms of my mind and my heart. And then for them, it was a genuine expression of God's work in their life. I mean, wouldn't that be great? So when we talk about um, the gift of healing, we're talking about, in Scripture, the gift of healings. When you see this word in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 9, 28, and 30, you will see that it is in the plural form. The word is used in the plural. This is the gift of healings. I think that indicates various kinds of healings available through the spiritual gift. Physical, emotional, spiritual. These are people who operate out of compassion and a desire to see people made well. They recognize the brokenness of the world. They recognize um, the, the hurt that we experience in the world, and they desire for us to be healed and made whole. And then there's the gift of helps. What does the gift of helps look like? Well, it's bringing relief. It is um, actually delivering relief to another person. To help. What does helping look like in the culture today? Who are the helpers? We say sometimes when a tragedy occurs, hey, look for the helpers. Well, what does help look like? I'm thinking here that there are times that we think we're helping, but really our helping ultimately hurts. People who are possessed of the spiritual gift of helps, their helping never hurts because their helps are always aligned with um, the will of God Uh, for people to be um, relieved of their suffering. So you might think of helps as a supernatural ability that's given by God to unselfishly, unselfishly relieve others um, of, of all kinds of challenges, needs, even responsibilities, right? Um, So the person who helps comes alongside to do something that needs doing without being asked, in order that other people can be set free to do the things that they are spiritually gifted to do. So I want you to think about that for a moment as a different way of thinking about the spiritual gift of help. It's the person who comes along and does something that they see needs to be done in order to free other people up to go and operate in their spiritual gifts. Are you a helper of that kind? Do you see needs and do you go and you meet those needs or do those duties or take care of those things in order that other people can be freed up to do the things that they are spiritually gifted and therefore called to do? The person who has the spiritual gift of helps 
actually has a unique ability to see how others need to be helped. And so we want to be pray, praying for uh, those who have the spiritual gift of helps because um, these are these are people who make it possible for the rest of us to do what we are uniquely gifted and called by God to do. Do you have a desire to help others accomplish tasks in practical ways? Are you willing to do the little things that need doing in order that other things could be done um, by, by other people? Are you a practical servant that releases others to operate more fully in their gifts? If so, then there's a pretty good chance you have the spiritual gift of helps. When we think about unwrapping the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit, remember it starts by receiving the indescribable gift that God has sent in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you say to yourself as, you know, as we're having these conversations about spiritual gifts, well, I would like to have a spiritual gift. I don't, do I have a spiritual gift? If you are a believer in Jesus and you have received him as your Savior and Lord, then the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And with the arrival of the Holy Spirit comes by God's grace, spiritual gifts. I don't know how many, but I know you have at least one. You probably have a gift mix. That's uh, how it tends to work out among uh, most believers. And so if you think uh, to yourself as we go through these, do I um, have the gift of administration? Is it for me something that is not a labor but a joy? It comes quite um, naturally to me. I can see how to organize things. Do I see the edges of where God is working um, to advance his kingdom purposes? If so, maybe you have the spiritual gift of apostolic ministry. Are you good with your hands and enjoy crafting things that glorify God and make it possible for others to um, to see him and hear him and worship him as well? Maybe craftsmanship or creative communication are your spiritual gifts. Do you have the gift of discernment? Are you able to see what others cannot about the days in which we live and help them connect the truth to the realities in which we walk? Do you have the gift of evangelism or exhortation? Or as we've discussed today, the gift of faith, giving, healings, or helps. As we unwrap the gifts of the Holy Spirit during uh, this Christmas season, I would encourage you to first and foremost receive and unwrap the indescribable gift God sends wrapped in human flesh this Christmas. His name is Jesus, and he came as a gift to you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Just a reminder that you're listening to a special edition of Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week. And next up, I'm going to share again my conversation with Pastor Jeremy Freeman. It originally aired early in November. It's about his book and the movement, hashtag, but God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Lest you think that being a Christian protects you from anything bad ever happening in this life. 
Pastor Jeremy Freeman is joining us now um, with a testimony and a story that uh, is, let me just go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. Um, So far, so good, like at this point in time. Jeremy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Glad to be here. All right. I um we could start this story anywhere. Um, and so I would like um to start here if it's okay with you. And let me just tell everybody, we're telling we're talking today about Jeremy's book, hashtag but God. Um and we're and we're talking about the power of hope when catastrophe crashes in. We're talking about the hashtag but God movement, but we're also just talking about the way God works and operates in the life of individuals and families and family and the family of faith. So all of that is wound up in this. Um, let's start with Trey. Tell us about Trey. Oh man, uh, Trey was um, our last born uh, male child. We have we have seven children, but at the time he was our last born male. He was born with a rare genetic disorder. There's a long story there, but he received a bone marrow transplant when he was uh, just as a baby. He lived a healthy six years. And then when he was six years old, he got sick and turned into this really rare kind of uh, the bone marrow cells that he received six years ago, started taking over in his body and he needed another transplant. So my daughter donated bone marrow. We thought the transplant had worked, but those cells came back and he was in the hospital 300 days between 2012 and 2013. And then the Lord uh, just chose to heal him in heaven, called him home on September the 1st of 2013. And when I think about not just those 300 days, but when I think about, you know, everything leading up to that, your family is formed and transformed because of the life of Trey in ways yeah. that um, are are really hard for anybody that doesn't have a sick child at some point and doesn't lose a child at some point. It's like impossible to describe and understand how that shapes and forms every other person in the family and the family itself. And so um, I wanted to start there because your family is informed by that experience um, when we arrive at the next part of the story where I'm going to invite you to tell us about Caleb. Yeah, so Caleb, um, five years ago, was 16 years old, and it was a regular day at the Freeman household. Um, I'm the pastor. I had actually done a funeral that morning. Caleb had had basketball practice. The funeral director offered me two tickets to a uh, University of Oklahoma basketball game. I gave those to Caleb and my other son, Clayton, and off they went to the game. And literally 10 minutes after I gave Caleb the tickets, he went one way and I went the other. And I walk into my house and my phone rings. And that's when we got the call that that changed our life forever. He had been in a a car accident, a semi-truck, 75,000 pounds, T-boned him directly on his side. And uh, just in a matter of, just in a breath, our life changed forever. Talk about that. Talk, talk about the phone call that no one wants to receive. Yeah, it's, 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 it's still surreal to, I think, when I think about it, because I walked into my kitchen and it said, Caleb Freeman. I answered the phone and this man says, sir, do you have two sons? There was no hello. No, this is who I am. And of course, I'm thinking, who are you? I said, why do you have my son's son's phone? He said, do you have two sons? And I said, yes. He goes, well, they've been in an accident. How quickly can you get here? So my wife and I are driving quickly to the accident scene, just begging God to spare Caleb and Clayton's life because we didn't we didn't know anything at that point. And we got there and it was chaos, lights and sirens and rain and just everything. And Caleb was in one ambulance and Clayton, our other son was in the other. So they took us to where Clayton was. 
he had a concussion, but he couldn't remember anything. But they wouldn't let us go see Caleb. And uh, they said, you need to get to the ER. So we got to the ER. Just They weren't giving us any information about Caleb. And uh, I pulled this nurse to the side about 30 minutes later. And I said, ma'am, can you give me any update on my son? She said, I don't know how to tell you this, but your son needs a miracle. And I literally almost fell to the ground because the thought of losing him was unbearable. So I typed a message to my family and our staff. And I, I said, here's what the doctors and nurses are saying. But I typed in two words, but God. I never knew but God would be on a T-shirt or on a book. At that point, it was our desperate plea saying, God, we were asking you to step in. And thanks be unto God, he did. We're talking with Pastor Jeremy Freeman. We're talking about really their fa- his family story, the experience of um, of his son, Caleb, the darkness that nearly overtook them in a period of waiting, but the, but the movement of God, indeed, hashtag yeah. but God. It captures the, the prayer of the moment. It captures um, the prayers of the people. It captures um, the reality of who God is um, in the midst. Uh, and the book is hashtag but God, the power of hope when catastrophe crashes in. Jeremy, um, you know, let's let's move forward in the story because we're talking about the prayers of God's people. And then we're talking about, you know, the action, the action of God um, upon your child and um, and then subsequently on the life of your family and congregation and so many others. Yes. You know, what's interesting is we we prayed just as hard for Trey as we did for Caleb. And uh, the Lord often chooses to do what brings him the most. He always chooses to do what brings him the most glory. So we were in the ER and this lady came running in and she, I remember she was wearing a white outfit and she had blood all over her. She said, are you Caleb's parents? And we said, yes. She said, I want you to know I was driving home on the highway. I saw the accident. She goes, I'm a certified CPR trained instructor. I ran across the highway. She said, nobody was tending to Caleb. Come to find out they weren't tending to Caleb because they thought he was dead. She said, so I, I cleared his airway, made sure he was breathing she said, but more importantly, I prayed over him from head to toe, and God has told me he's going to live. He's going to be well. And that's a mm. bold thing to tell a family. You know, it's bold. And um, so immediately God stepped in and was letting us letting us know he was doing something different. And we've had so many but God moments like that along the way. And we just give God praise for how he's been working. And I can tell you all about it. You, you tell me what you want to know, and I'll tell you, because it's an amazing story. <laughs> Well, I think that, um, first of all, I really, really appreciate, like you acknowledging, we prayed just as hard for Trey as we did for Caleb. God does not always answer our prayers in the way or the timing that we imagine um, is, is right. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what you've learned about prayer in all of this? Well, man, it's... um... In, in the book, I go into great detail about my own journey because as a pastor, you're supposed to be able to have it all together, right? And you have all this faith. And, and, and I did, and I do, but when Trey passed away, there was a part of me di- that died that God has had to resurrect in me. I, I struggled. I mean, I've been with people in their hardest moments, but when, when your son is passing away, I remember just laying on the floor in the hospital room and I just couldn't believe he was gone. And so we like to say that a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And, and God really grew our faith, and he's been growing our faith all these years. And so God has used Caleb's healing in my life in a way that I never even knew I needed. He's, he's resurrected some things in me. I know that God doesn't always heal on earth, but sometimes he does. 
And I've had to trust him in that. And so it's been a journey of faith for me that God has uh, done a, a really remarkable work in my life. And I just, I'm so grateful for his faithfulness and his, his grace to me in the midst of all of my doubts and struggles and questions at times. We're talking with uh, Pastor Jeremy Freeman. He is the author of Hashtag But God, The Power of Hope When Catastrophe Crashes In. Day in and day out, he is the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Newcastle, Oklahoma. Um, he is also the husband of Emily and um, and the dad of many. We've been talking uh, about Trey and about Caleb. Um, we've heard... Um, uh, we've we've heard um, as well about Clayton, but there but there are others to whom Jeremy is daddy as well. We're going to talk about the impact on uh, his marriage, how his understanding of what we say at the altar to one another, um, you know, changes, and uh, and how we even understand ourselves better uh, in our relationships. We're going to talk about um, the impact on their family and and the but God movement. There's a seven day. But God devotional in the back of the book as well. Tons of great resources. We're going to return to our conversation with Pastor Jeremy Freeman about hashtag But God in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Please prayerfully consider making a tax deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word give to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at myfaithradio.com. Thanks a lot. But God is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Though I'm surrounded, I won't be forsaken. Continuing our conversation with Pastor Jeremy Freeman. Um, we're talking about hashtag but God. It's a book. It's a movement. Jeremy, um, you know, I, I feel like so many of my questions are, you know, tell me about Trey. Tell me about Caleb. Tell me about Emily. Oh, man. Emily is, uh, I'm telling you what, who you marry is so important. And my wife is, she's a rock. And in fact, in the in the book, we include some of her journal entries because um, the very first night of the book, God put it on her heart to write things down because he said, I'm going to use this for something greater. And uh, her journal entries, in my opinion, are some of those powerful aspects of the book because you get to see just faith on a piece of paper in what God was saying. But she's, she's amazing. She holds our next to Jesus. She holds our, our family together. Uh, she's awesome. I am. Um, I so appreciate that. And I feel like this journey and your testimony related to this the way God is is using you in the demonstration of your marriage before other people yeah. in the times in which we live, it's it's such a blessing. And so thank you so much for weaving the story together in a way that honors God, honors Jesus, honors the personal relationship you have with him, honors your yeah. family, honors the lives of these individual people, not as if, you know, your family is, you know, a, a clod, but it's like individual people. And um, and each one entrusted to you and Emily, you know, the sacred trust of these children and each one of them so unique and different and the way you're shepherding their hearts and walking with one another. It's just the whole thing is such a beautiful, beautiful witness. And I, I just didn't want to miss the opportunity to say thank you for all of that. Oh, yeah, you bet. Thank you for saying that. You know, be sure people have a little bit of a, a window into the hashtag, but God seven day devotional, like t take us there for a moment. What you know, what's that about? What are you trying? What are you trying to invite people into? Yeah, you know what, what I was going to say is that suffering has a way of kind of pushing you toward God or 
pulling you from God. And thankfully, the Lord in his grace has allowed suffering to draw not only uh, us closer to him, but also closer to one another. Like our family is stronger because of our suffering. In many mm. ways, I hate what our kids have gone through, but man, they're stronger as a result. And this But God devotional, we picked out seven of the our favorite But God passages in the Bible. And when you start seeing it, But God is everywhere. It's all over the Bible. And the mm. devotional really speaks to when God steps in, everything changes from Genesis all the way to the New Testament. Uh, we've picked out seven of our very favorite passages that I believe will breathe hope into people's life in a way that only God can do in a but God kind of way. So it's one of my favorite aspects of the book, and I pray people really benefit from it. Um, and then you cover some commonly asked questions. You want to just tee up a couple of those? Because I think that some of these are the questions that a lot of us are afraid to ask. Yeah, for sure. And one thing is, man, I wish you guys could meet Caleb. Caleb is the most uh, transformed person you'd ever meet in your life. God's done a great work in him physically, but Caleb has been resurrected spiritually. He's a man on a mission. So we travel all over the country, share his story everywhere that we can, but we get asked lots of questions. And so questions like, could Caleb hear anything when he was in the coma? Uh, does he remember the accident? Stuff like that. And we address some of those really central questions that people really want to know uh, in the back of the book. And uh, it's, it's really interesting because uh, there, there's some fascinating answers, things you probably wouldn't expect. Uh, but we address a lot of those in the back of the book. Yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. When you um, when you say to people, never give up, never give in, never let go. What are you? I mean, because there's an itch you're scratching there for sure. There's a problem you are seeking to address. Can you um, can you take us there? You bet. So when Caleb was in the ICU, you know, he was in a coma for eight weeks. We're talking he didn't respond purposefully for two months. So, but we had this promise in our heart from God that he was going to wake up and we know enough to know that you don't just kind of tritely believe that, like you have to really know that's what's happening. And and we felt like God had spoken to us that Caleb was going to wake up. And so uh, um, at the time, Emily's aunt would come up to the ICU and she would stand by Caleb and let us have a moment just to rest. And this phrase was born never give up, never give in, never let go. And it, it wasn't this, it wasn't a phrase that declared we're trusting in ourselves. It was saying, God, we're clinging to you. We're trusting in your promises. We're trusting in your power. So that phrase I, to us, what it says is, God, we are going to hold on to you no matter what, because the circumstances, people, none of those things have the final say. God, you have the final say, and we trust you with the final say. So that's really what that phrase means to us. So um, when you think about um, dates on the calendar, is it the date you got the phone call? Is it the date Caleb woke up from the coma? Is it the date he, like, is there is there a day and a date in your family's life when you're like, this is the day? Oh, man. I would say that that day in February, when Caleb nodded his head, and we have all this documented, which is just crazy. We didn't even plan to do it. It just happened. But God, right? But seriously, one day he was sitting in his wheelchair in Denver, Colorado at Craig Hospital. And his therapist said, Caleb, can you nod your head? Yes. And I mean, he nodded his head and you would have thought we won the lottery. I mean, it mm. was uh, over the top. They couldn't believe it. We've been asking him to nod his head for eight weeks. 
And then he just nods his head and he starts waking up. The doctors thought we were in denial. They were like, this poor family, this kid's never waking up. You know, 90% with his brain injury never wake up. And those that do never regain consciousness. He nods his head and he starts waking up. And it it was unreal. So I get chills even saying that right now because it was such an incredible, but God miraculous moment in our lives that we will never forget. All right. So, I mean, just logistically, just for a moment, because there are people trying to do like all the math here and they're like, okay, they live in Oklahoma. Um, Now he's talking about being in a hospital in Denver, Colorado. We're talking about weeks on end. They have, you know, they got a bunch of kids like how just at the at the most basic level, like how are you managing all that? Oh, man. Well, we had a very gracious church family that uh, really allowed me to focus on my family. Thanks be unto God for that. But we were in Oklahoma for four weeks. We transferred to Denver, Colorado. We were there for five months. We left there, went to Omaha, Nebraska, QLI Hospital for three months. Caleb had to go to Boise, Idaho, have his left ear totally reconstructed. We were there for one month, and then we came home. So it was, we moved our whole family around with us. Uh, The school worked with us. Our church worked with us. But most importantly, God just, allowed for us to be together. Uh, and that made all the difference. And so it's, yes, tons of logistics. We go over it, all of it in the book. It's amazing to see how God just provided every step of the way. Yeah. So if you've ever wondered, if you're listening right now and you've ever wondered, um, beyond, beyond the fact that you are a member of the body of Christ and therefore you need to be a member of a body of Christ. Let me tell yep. you that when this kind of call comes, you have got to be a part of a people. And this testimony that is in um, hashtag, but God, the power of hope when catastrophe crashes in is not only made possible by the God who is, and it, and, and all the glory goes to God throughout this book and through this movement, this but God, but God movement. But let me tell you, friends, um, this book is also a testimony to the reality of the resilience and the power and the purpose and the people of the Church of Jesus Christ on the local level. So um, so let me say um, thank you and amen to Pastor Jeremy Freeman, to Emily, his wife, to their children and family, but also to the First Baptist Church of Newcastle, Oklahoma. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The But God movement is uh, worth you checking out. The book is But God, The Power of Hope when catastrophe crashes in. Jeremy, thank you so much for being with us here today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Carmen. Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Let's return um, briefly to the conversation that we started at the outset of the hour about reading the signs of the times in which we're in and anticipating the second coming of Jesus. Um, Again, I was sharing from an article that Billy Graham wrote in the New York Times in 1970, and he talks about there being more than 20 distinct signs left by the prophets, Jesus and the apostles that we should be looking for as we look up um, toward uh, and give our attention to the second coming of Christ. Billy Graham said in 1970, which, you know, is 50 years ago now, that every one of those signs was in a state of fulfillment even then. So even more so now. Well, what were some of those um, signs that he talked about? Well, one was that Jesus characterized the mental state of the world just before his return 
He said that upon the earth there would be distress of nations with perplexity. That's Luke 21, 25. To be distressed is to be under pressure. Perplexity means bewilderment. In other words, Jesus said the generation before his return would be under such severe pressure from every point of view that there would be no apparent way out. People literally wouldn't know which direction to turn in terms of the truth. Jesus also talked about the moral state of the world before his coming again. He says in Luke 17, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate and drank and married wives and were given in marriage. And he talks about, um, Billy Graham then talks about a a breakdown of um, the home, the breakdown of marriage, um, a loosening of moral standards and of sexual behavior. Well, certainly that has only accelerated in the subsequent 50 years. Graham went on to talk about um, the reality of war. He said, um, Jesus reveals to us that we would hear of wars and rumors of wars, nations rising up against nations. The Bible indicates that toward the end of the age, wars will actually become more widespread, more devastating, and more frequent. These wars will all culminate in what is called, quote, the Battle of Armageddon. Um, Finally, Graham uh, gives attention to a conversation about emphasis on the word peace. He says um, here, quoting from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians, for when they say, for, for when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them as travail comes upon a woman at childbirth and they shall not escape. Never has there been so much talk of peace and so little peace among us as people, Graham notes. So when we talk about um, the signs of the times, um, he highlights then finally the signs transpiring in the Middle East 50 years ago. Those are only accelerating today. And so I guess I'm wondering, are you looking up? Are you anticipating the return of Jesus? And do you know how to read the signs of the times in which we're in? You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen, a special Christmas week edition. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.